Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Welcome to The Greatest Generation, a podcast by two people who are more than a little embarrassed to have a podcast about Star Trek The Next Generation. I might be the most embarrassed because this is my only podcast, and it's about Star <laughs> Trek The Next Generation. Ben has other uh, wildly popular podcasts about far cooler subjects, and, uh, and I'm just happy to be with him. I'm uh, <laughs> Ben Harrison. Uh yeah, I you know, on average, my podcasting isn't as embarrassing as you know you would think it might be from <laughs> a sample of only this show. I've got to uh, ask you because you're like you're the professional around here of both of us. Like we're on episode five right now. Uh, is it pledge drive time? <laughs> Calling me a professional is a very generous misstatement, uh, <laughs> given that I have never been paid. To oh jeez! Cast a pod. Uh, I yeah. was promised payment, so this is awkward. Yeah, I don't know who said that to you, but we will not be able to honor contracts that were written. Welcome uh, to the final episode <laughs> of the Greatest Generation. I'm your host, Adam Pranica. This is becoming a speech. You're the captain, sir. You're entitled. I'm entitled to ramble on about something everyone knows. All right, so this is uh, where no one has gone before, episode five. This might be the only episode uh, that actually has a title pulled straight from the intro, right? Yeah, there's a and and there's also a an eponymous line from Data in this episode, which uh, pretty rare to to have it happen. I mean, yeah. obviously, it happens a lot in the episode Darmok. But <laughs> you speak, of course, of the the special three hour podcast episode that we're already planning uh, for the episode Darmok. <laughs> Darmok will be a very special episode. <laughs> podcast. Um, Our microphones burn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I uh, I like this episode. Uh, you know, I, I think we're on a good trend so far from the really low lows of episodes two and three. Uh, you know, now we're here in episode five, starting to see some of the potential of the series. Um, so what's happening here is the Enterprise is meeting up with uh, another another Federation ship to onboard a warp propulsion expert from Starfleet named uh, Mr. Kaczynski and his uh, pajama-clad uh, pale assistant uh who doesn't really doesn't really introduce himself i guess he says his name is not pronounceable uh by humanoids yeah uh, they're both kind of big dog uh riker in different ways right when they beam yeah, on board yeah. riker kind of comes down to the transporter room with a chip on his shoulder because he doesn't like kasinski's ideas and he thinks that it's a bunch of bullshit um which is uh it came as a surprise to me as a veteran watcher of Star Trek The Next Generation that Riker had any technical knowledge at all of warp propulsion. Sure, um, I think I think we're fairly certain his expertise is in, in holodeck design. Certain other kind of propulsion. Uh, <laughs> uh, all forms of pumping. Yeah. <laughs> so they, uh, 
they they uh, go down the transporter room, and uh, the other person in there to to greet these guys is Chief Engineer Argyle. Which <laughs> is a, I don't know if they were like planning on making this guy an actual character, but they're like, uh, what? Well, if we're going to have another chief, take another stab at having a chief engineer, what would a quality be? I don't know. Scottish. I love Argyle. I think he's the greatest. <laughs> Did you know the name of that actor is Biff Yeager? Which is wow. an even cooler name than Argyle, if you ask me. Yeah. Yeah, man. Chief engineer Yeager. They definitely didn't have like a chief engineer thing figured out at this point <laughs> in the series. So. Um, everybody's pretty skeptical of what's what's going on with Kaczynski, and and he's he is uh, just brimming with confidence that you know Troy uh, really draws a draws a bright line around that he's an arrogant piece of shit. Yeah, a moment after he displays incredible <laughs> arrogance for like three straight minutes. Yeah. We needed we needed Deanna Troy to turn to camera and tell us uh, how incredibly arrogant he is. Yeah, they haven't quite worked out how to use her yet in the series either. Um, but uh, they uh, head down to engineering and uh, start to plug in the equations that Kaczynski is so proud of. And uh, maybe this is a good, good time to stop. I mean, we've taken a, a bunch of pot shots at the uh, at the set design department, but. Mm-hmm. I think that the ship itself, like the engineering section, the bridge, sick bay, are kind of the big, the big sets that we've seen so far yeah. on the Enterprise, and they're awesome. They're so cool. They have thought so many things out, like different areas, different kind of controls that haven't even come into use yet, but are like there waiting to go, and they look so cool. And I love, I especially engineering. I just, I just think it's like one of the coolest. One of the coolest sets in in TV history, maybe. Yeah, I agree, actually. And I think it's engineering is really the only set on the entire show that that plays a little bit with height. I feel yeah. like yeah, uh, a- every other set is is just wide. You know, like Ten Forward's just a big restaurant set that that's wide. The bridge is sort of wide, and and there's a little bit of a height difference there. But like, there's a very real perspective in engineering that like there's a super tall tube that you could you could follow and you could right. fall down uh and and kill yourself if you fell off a railing like this the the scale actually works in a really compelling way it's just super well done yeah um so hats off to that stuff um this has been props to props <laughs> <laughs> so they uh start uh they they get into engineering and uh, straight away, Kaczynski's like, who's that kid? Get him out of here. And uh, camera pans over and Wesley Crusher is sitting there in like a pretty outrageous bright orange Kuji sweater. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, they they say like he's he's there doing some homework or something or a science, science project or something like that. Um, and... Uh, I guess Kaczynski's kind of distracted by wanting to get going with his uh, warp experiment, so... He's really excited to show off. Yeah, he sort of uh, loses the thread on attempting to get rid of Wesley Crusher. So Wesley is there when they start doing the experiment, and he's off in the same alcove where he uh, caused all the problems in uh, in episode two with with Drunk Shimoda. But uh, he and and the assistant character 
are there together while everybody else is kind of focused on the main engineering control table. So Wesley's the only one that sees that while they are doing this warp experiment, the traveler, or the assistant, I should say, phases out of existence momentarily, and the ship is propelled 2.7 million light years through a couple of other galaxies and way further out than any Federation vessel has ever gone. I mean, this scene is very much like the end of 2001, where they go through the light fantastic, right? Like, yeah, and, things and are crazy. Sort of, yeah, and it does something I wish that 2001 would have done, which is uh, shows that they are going through a psychedelic uh, space journey without beating it to death you know it's a 30 second sequence not a 10 minute sequence that's that's the good part the uh, the bad comparison is like they they totally go plaid like spaceball one right <laughs> yeah that's I another way do. to describe it yeah and uh there's a pretty funny moment where picard says like like reverse engines stop <laughs> the ship and data's like nobody has ever tried that at this speed <laughs> and picard's like Shut up and do it. <laughs> you know, after they after they separated the ship at maximum speed, like nothing really surprises me anymore about what the captain wants to do at any speed. Yeah, like that's regardless of the consequences. Mm-hmm. It's the one. It's the one area where he's in, incredibly unrestrained. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, they sort of talk about how they're really far out. Um, there's some discussion on on the bridge. I guess Picard calls Kaczynski and everybody else up to the bridge, and uh, and they discuss you know where they are. And Picard is like, you know, this is all this is great, but it's only cool if you can reproduce it and get us back to where we went, we came from. Which is factually uh, untrue. Like where they are is incredibly cool, and this is like the yeah. one thing about the episode that that grated on me more than anything. Like. They're out further than anyone else. They they look at the view screen and it looks like like an inner city planetarium. Like it's, <laughs> it's something you never see in Star Trek. Things are big and moving and, and lots awesome. of colorful space things happening. And the, and they pretty much look out the view screen and are like, huh? Well, we better get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, data is data is pushing for doing some some uh, astrometric. Uh, study but uh, everybody else is like pretty eager to make sure that they don't have to spend 300 years traveling at conventional warp speed to get back home there are episodes of this series where they shoot like eight probes like <laughs> wastefully shooting probes out into space and in this one they don't shoot one I don't get it. A cool move would just be to shoot a probe like right back toward the Milky Way and in 300 years you'd just get like this incredible wealth of knowledge that you might not have gotten otherwise. I You'd mean, you be have a no hero, idea. and that's... Right. I mean, as far as bang for the buck, like, why why not do that? We can only hope that there's some division of the science staff that does that stuff without needing to be told to. Right, right. I mean, there's a thousand people on this ship, so it's possible. Mo- um, mostly children. <laughs> mostly <laughs> we're t- children we're told. who are in... A grave danger. Uh, we should discuss that the uh, the assistant character uh, may be pushing in on on Picard's side piece uh, with some of the loving looks that he gives Wesley within 13 seconds of meeting him. Yeah, I mean, he is wearing a Cosby onesie. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they both have kind of a Cosby thing happening on uh on this episode. It was Maybe that's It was 1987. I there are pictures of me wearing especially giant sweaters. So, <laughs> I mean, I get that. Nice. Incredibly unbroken sentence moving from topic to topic so that no one had the chance to interrupt it was really quite hypnotic. They decide, let's get back to our galaxy, let's get back to our quadrant, and they head back down to engineering, and Wesley tries to stop Riker and say, like, listen, this Kaczynski guy is full of shit, and it was really his assistant that did some kind of magic alien space math on the uh, on the warp field, and uh, Riker's just kind of kind of like, yeah, 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 shut up right now. I'm kind of busy, kid. And so they sit down and they start to work on reversing the pro- process. And instead of getting back to the, the Milky Way, they completely overshoot it by like quite a lot more distance in the other direction. And they wind up in this blue, like ethereal space. It looks sort of like they're in between two layers of, a, of an iceberg with bubbles floating around in it. Yeah. It's very it's very psychedelic. Oh yeah. I mean, it, just when you thought it couldn't get more psychedelic uh <laughs> we go way out there this time. Yeah. They're so far out that they're like um it's, it doesn't even look like space and they realize that this is not great. Holy shit, stop. Stop just a second. Uh the effects we just described, uh yeah. the the effect that you described, I thought uh pretty pretty tastefully was sure. created by uh, effects designer Robert Legato using water reflection techniques and Christmas tree lights in his basement. Wow. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Good job, that, Robert. Yeah. I would never have uh I would never have expected that. Um I think that the uh the transporter beam effect is glitter in a fishbowl. Uh Oh, I wish I didn't know that. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Adam. <laughs> this has been Demystifying Everything We Love by Ben Harrison. <laughs> Mansplaining magic. Um This is uh this is an even worse place to be because uh no sooner do they arrive there than Worf uh is like dicking around on the science computer on the bridge and looks over at one of the uh turbo lift doors and there is a Klingon Targ which is a some kind of wild pig looks like that they kind of put some extra horns and fur on <laughs> yeah it looks uh, like a look like a warthog hug with a jacket yeah a little doggy um, jacket which is you know it's hard to make a convincing like animal that has alien makeup on it uh he looks as much like a ferocious dog as like you know los angeles raiders fans with like the the spiky shoulder pads like legion of doom wrestling style yeah like that's what they turn this this pig into um and uh i guess tasha yar sees this and and then she has a uh full-blown like daydream where she is back in the colony where she grew up trying to evade a rape gang. So uh, just in case the viewer forgot that Tasha Yar is a sex object, uh, we'll just insert that into the episode right here. And then various other members of the crew have 
crazy vision slash dreams. Uh, my favorite of which is a guy who is uh, one one of uh, a quartet doing a st- string concerto. Uh, who it's a character that we <laughs> never see again, uh, and just. Just like when it when it disappears, he realizes he's he's just sitting at a table in a room by himself with a beverage. In yeah, front of him. he's having a super lonely lunch, and it's yeah. real sad when when life goes back to normal for him. I'm sort of crushed for him. Yeah, I, I almost wondered if it was somebody that like won a contest to have a walk on role on <laughs> Star Trek or something. <laughs> I that's like I something I have a hard time getting out of my head when I watch this show is like which of these people won a contest by like sending in the top of their cereal box to be on this episode. And uh and, and conversely, how many of these actors lost a major contest? <laughs> yeah. So traveling this far has also uh completely exhausted the assistant character who now everybody is on to as being the reason why they could travel this far. Um so he's he's in sick bay and um, Picard like puts the ship on red alert, tells everybody to really watch what they think about because uh, everything that they think about will manifest into reality if they aren't careful. Do you um, think Riker's just really excited about the prospect? Do you think <laughs> Riker's like, "Fuck, I have to be on duty right now"? God damn it! <laughs> Who poses the most danger at that point? It's probably Riker, right? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, Worf, Worf could be incredibly dangerous, but his thoughts just manifest like the warthog and Tasha yeah. Yar just manifests the cat. I mean, what sort of sick filth could Riker conjure just in a <laughs> half a second of idle thought? <laughs> yeah, man. He's a, he, admirably on top of him, on top of his game in this, in this episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's keeping it pretty real. Yeah. So, uh, they head to sick bay and they start kind of interrogating the assistant who admits that he is actually in fact a traveler from sort of a different plane of existence and i guess we kind of come to understand that in his like level of reality thought and time and space are not distinct concepts and that uh, he's sort of, I guess, like the crew of the Enterprise. Uh, you know, they ask him at one at one point, like, "Where are you trying to go?" And he says, "It's not about where I'm going; it's about traveling around." Yeah, some, um, like some sort of '70s hippie, yeah, uh, trying to get to Burning Man. Yeah, but I feel like that's kind of true of the crew of the Enterprise too. Like, they occasionally have destinations, but they're out here to explore. So, yeah, yeah, I feel like they can get down with that. Yeah, they're alike like that. I mean, Beverly's having a hard time putting him back together because yeah. he's, he's described as generally human, which I thought would be a great <laughs> title for a Star Trek makeup artist instruction manual. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. pretty much the advice they give everyone. Yeah. What stuff can we change about your nose to make you look a little bit weird? <laughs> uh, <laughs> folds. Uh, <laughs> always more folds. <laughs> <laughs> this kind of is kind of a long scene but i i kind of like it so a, a nicely lit scene and uh the only thing that's like really ridiculous about it is that kaczynski is in there and and like kaczynski has been completely and utterly discredited as being what he claimed to be at this point but yet he still gets to have like a story arc like he gets to be like one of the people in there interrogating the traveler and then he gets like a moment of redemption at the end which is like i don't know why this this like 
I think he's an ensign based on his uh, based on his collar. Like, why do we care about him at this point? I was distracted by the fact that he doesn't wear a communicator badge, and his pip, yeah. his pips are all weird around his neck. Like, I wasn't yeah. sure that he was even a real member of the Federation. Is he? Oh, maybe. Yeah, maybe he's not actually in Starfleet or something. But they hadn't decided that those people couldn't wear uniforms yet or something. Yeah, it was yeah. weird. Like, Defin- they definitely don't ever like say a rank out loud, as far as I can remember, though. I think we can be sure he's probably a contract labor person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, uh, he's a private contractor on a government contract. One of those no-bid jobs. Right, uh, right. Just another fucking handout. <laughs> it's fucking pork in the uh, <laughs> legislative process back on Earth. God, so much pork in engineering. <laughs> yeah, not to mention the holodeck. Hey. Oh. So, so they do this this uh, interrogation, and um, at some point, somebody brings up Wesley, and I feel like uh, the other thing that's really funny about Wesley so far in the series is that whenever he comes up, someone <laughs> says, The boy? Wesley, I wanted to speak to you about the boy. It makes me think that maybe Wesley was supposed to be a main character of the show with how often they emphasize his relationship to other people. They do yeah. that for him in a way they don't do it for anyone else. Right. Yeah, like he's he's sort of like our proxy in this universe or something like that. I mean, um, in, in both youthfulness and in sweaters, for sure. Yeah. I sort of wonder, maybe that comes from like Luke Skywalker... Uh, in the Star Wars series, like he's sort of doesn't, you know, he's sort of a newcomer to the to the fight, and so things get to be kind of explained to him, and we can kind of identify with him uh, as an audience. That makes so sense. It, maybe maybe taking a uh, a page from the George Lucas playbook by having having Wesley be such a prominent uh, figure on the show. Yeah, they really um, like dial up his wonder in a way that is consistent with that theory yeah i think so this this interrogation scene ends with the traveler asking everybody but the captain to leave the room and he confides in the captain that wesley is no mere boy uh but in fact is like the mozart of warp technology a a prodigal genius that uh well you know his his talents have yet to completely reveal themselves and they will be supernatural but uh he admonishes picard not to reveal this to wesley or anyone of all the things picard has revealed to wesley uh, (laughs) he's got to somehow keep this a secret yeah it's a weird moment i mean you sort of wonder why it's important that it's a secret and that's not really explained but um i think in the same way that like talented people shouldn't be told they're great all the time otherwise they turn into an asshole yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe that's my problem. Uh, <laughs> huh. Uh, so he agrees to get them back to where they started, but he needs Wesley's help. And so they wind up back in engineering for a third time, and this time they like he and Wesley like take hands while they're uh, <laughs> going, going that's, to warp speed. It's, uh, it's like hand and claw. Be- yeah. Because the traveler's hands are like uh, yeah, he has taped like together. three fingered hands. They're like Zoidberg like hands. Yeah, <laughs> they're actually Which, uh, like it's a weird choice of hands to have for for like an engineer type who's who's got to like 
he's got to type little buttons all the time yeah, to make he, things he, happen. You would think it would compromise his ability to interface with the with the uh, computers on the Enterprise with his big fat <laughs> fucking fingers. But <laughs> he needs the dialing wand from The Simpsons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But anyways, we get like a little redemption moment for Kaczynski and they get back to, you know, the same course and heading that they were on before. And uh, in the process, the traveler phases out of existence entirely and completely disappears, which is not the end of the episode uh, because uh, then uh, Picard is like standing on the bridge with his crew and goes like, get that kid up here. And uh, and says, like, Wesley, you done good, kid. You know, you were on to this guy way before any of us. Uh, and I'm going to make you an acting ensign on the Enterprise. So uh, Wesley gets a field commission right there. And he gets to, uh, gets to hang out on the bridge uh, as they head off to their next adventure. I would argue he did less in this episode than the one where everyone got drunk to save the ship right yeah which is an interesting yeah. moment for a field commission like basically uh basically he was there while something great happened this time around like yeah did he t- i mean it's like denzel winning an oscar for training day it's not so much <laughs> that that was like the oscar worthy performance of his career we're looking but at that- a lifetime achievement here yeah yeah um this is a, a very wesley centric episode and yet wesley does not like have a ton of agency and what's going on. So that's uh that's a good that's a good observation. Would you like me to unveil a, an exquisitely embarrassing thing about uh my relationship with the character of Wesley Crusher when I was a child? Well, I mean with a with a teaser like that, <laughs> uh the floor is yours. I uh went to summer camp one year when I was probably 7 or 8 years old. And introduced myself to people as Wesley, because I loved the character of Wesley when I was a kid. <laughs> wow! And I had like I had like I like made a couple of friends at this summer camp, and like would see them during the school year. And when I went over to their house, would be like, "Oh yeah, like I'm, I have a different name as far as this kid is concerned." And then at some point, had to kind of like confess that I had, uh, in fact been trying this name on for size but it wasn't my my real given name wow yeah a uh something that my parents probably should have told me not to do (laughs) they they probably should have taken you to a counselor at that point (laughs) (laughs) i would i wouldn't have gone if she wasn't half betazoid what can you please help our boy benjamin (laughs) he's displaying (laughs) terrible signs (laughs) yeah yeah I think for as popular as the character was at the time, like, I think it's interesting that you don't see a lot of Wesleys running around now. Like, people people were not inspired enough to name their child Wesley in a way that, you know, uh, other Hollywood names became popular. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Well, uh, here's, here's to a generation of Rikers, Picards, and Wesleys. Why didn't you go around that summer camp introducing yourself as Riker? That just seems like a missed opportunity to bone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, all the uh, all the sexual opportunities I left on the table because I picked the wrong character to uh, hang my hat on. God, those camp oh. counselors were totally down 
to get down, and you just chose the wrong name. Hmm. Well, let it never be said that I'm a man without regrets. <laughs> My love is a peep of longing still for that which longer nurses the disease. Who do you have for Drunk Shimoda for this episode, Ben? Drunk Shimoda! My Drunk Shimoda is uh, not, really, not really a character that causes big big time problems, but there's this scene where Picard is like heading back to the bridge after uh, interrogating the alien and they're still in this environment where their thoughts can uh, be manifest into reality. And he comes around the corner and there's just a guy in the hallway, uh, like almost engulfed in a (laughs) wall of fire. (laughs) And it's just like, it's such a weird scene because Picard has to tell this uh, this crew member. Put it out! How? Think! Put the flame out in your thoughts! <laughs> That's an order! <laughs> and, uh, and, the, yeah, and the guy has to kind of like go through this very challenging mental journey and I, uh, you know, it's just a very ridiculous scene and a very ridiculous casting choice. Like the guy has like a crazy jerry curl... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's uh, like, the extra is easy E. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and he's like sweating bullets and uh, finally puts it out and, uh, you know, it's and is like, okay, now what? Does that guy just like go take his station like nothing happened or or what? Hey, Rod, uh, why are you so sweaty? <laughs> <laughs> I was just in a hallway full of flames. <laughs> What's your excuse? <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. How about you? My drunk Shimoda is actually you uh, for introducing yourself at a summer camp uh, as Wesley (laughs) to all those people. I think uh, nothing could could be more drunk than the idea of of a person trying to impress by, you know, changing their name or or making themselves sound cooler. Than, uh, than maybe they are. I know you're as cool as you say you are, so I know that's I, that's not the case. But the that instinct I feel like is is that of a drunk person. And uh, yeah, well, seven year olds are essentially drunk all the time. <laughs> um, Your parents yeah. sound real cool. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I wish I remembered like how I handled it because I went to that summer camp for several years, and I definitely only did that one summer. So, like, I must have gone back and, like, had to, like, all the, like, you know, teachers and staff and everything had to, like, explain to them, you know. Did they read roll and you just, you had to correct them every time? I don't know. I don't know, man. There's a lot of it that I've shut out of my memory. (laughs) Yeah, for good reason. Well, I mean, I, look, this, there are a lot of episodes of this show and you're not going to be the only one. Uh, confiding, embarrassing stories about your love for it. So uh, don't worry, my stories are coming. They uh, they just <laughs> don't have any specific attachment to the episode so far. A good time so often has a downside, doesn't it? Especially when it comes to stuff that you put in your birdie. We've all been hungover before. I mean, many of us have, I guess. Or we've had too much jazz in our gummy. And that sucks, right? Because you don't think about the time after the good time that you've been trying to have a good time. That's why I like Lumi Labs so much. It's the predictability. 
Through painstaking trial and error, I have found my perfect dose. It's what I can depend on when I can use a little more chill, a little help getting into a creative headspace, and I don't need to have too much fun doing whatever it is I need to be doing. And I'm so glad that Microdose is available nationwide. That means just about anyone can try it. To learn more about microdosing THC, go to microdose.com and use the code SCARVES to get free shipping and 30% off your first order. Again, that's microdose.com and the code is SCARVES. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24x7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So the next episode, Lonely Among Us. The Enterprise passes through a series of complex energy patterns, and the crew find themselves trying to solve the mystery surrounding the death of Assistant Chief Engineer Singh and the altered personalities of Lieutenant Worf, Dr. Crusher, and the Captain. Do you, uh, What do you remember about this episode? Uh, nothing based on that description, really. Uh, yeah, when you, when I found... you describe like, uh, weird energy patterns, that, that could be anything. That could be anything. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, I found a number of different descriptions of this show, and this is this was like the shortest one, which is why I picked it, but it leaves out that they're transporting two warring factions to a planet, and they're going to um, like work out a peace deal when they get to this planet. Uh, and it, I don't know, like it's, it's a strange, uh, episode based on the n- numerous brief synopses I found because they all sort of said it was about something else. <laughs> huh? Well, uh, the reception is as equally mixed. Um, I guess the, the producers received a significant amount of fan mail criticizing the apparent cannibalism on, on the part of the Antikins in this episode. Uh, oh, are these the like fish eye guys that I think eat so. That's fish? what I remember. Yeah. Yeah. They received mail, like actual mail, sent through the mail. <laughs> uh, the alien delegation subplot was so poorly executed that uh, that it came off as comedic. And uh combined with the slow pace and a number of dialogue scenes that can be charitably described as character development or more accurately described as padding. <laughs> wow, I think I'm as close to issuing a a veto on this as ever. Uh, but with that being said, I think I'd like to soldier through. Yeah, I uh, I like looking at those weird fish guys and the possibility that this is the episode in which those characters appear is uh, uh, worth it for me to to uh, soldier through. It sounds like the the alien designers actually threw away that generally human book and might have gotten a little weird. Good for them. Yeah. Yeah, good for them. Well, I think that's about the end of this here episode. It's been a fun one. Would you say this this was the best episode yet? Yes, I would. Uh, yeah. our our podcast is getting better and better. Absolutely. No, no, I was talking about the show that we're watching for the podcast. Uh, I would also say that I think the I think the shows are growing in quality, uh, getting near the quality of our podcast. Not quite, not oh, quite yeah. better, but, oh, but yeah. approaching. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> I've been Ben Harrison. Uh, I've been Adam Pranica. And uh, this has been the greatest generation. Live long and prosper. Still not saying that. Yeah. No, I I don't think that works.